Fast Forward Productions. The women are speaking. This is the Unfiltered Entrepreneur. My name is Ashley Pollard. Here you will find business tips, entrepreneurial advice, and an honest account of mistakes I make along the way. I will also have some friends along for the ride who can add in their own experience, obstacles, and what we can all learn from each other. Entrepreneurship can be a lonely road, but not in my circle. We are all in this together. Hi guys, welcome back to another episode of The Unfiltered Entrepreneur. I'm your host, Ashley Pollard. Before I dive into the episode, I just wanna let you know that if you're watching me on YouTube and I'm just like beaming with confidence, it's because I got new shoes and I'm wearing them right now and they're very comfortable. And there's something about new shoes that just give you like so much confidence. And I have this like back to school energy. I got all new clothes. I cleaned my place top to bottom. I got rid of all of this stuff. I just, I feel like a new human being. I feel like my best self. Now granted this year has definitely been one of my best, but I just know that I'm like amping up for an even better 2024 because this year has been unbelievably wild. And for those of you who are new in my space, you may think that I'm just the girl who runs multiple businesses and you would be correct. But for people who've been around for a while, you know that this is kind of new. You know that I've always had Team AP Consulting and that Fast Forward Productions, which is the podcast production company putting on this podcast, is the company that I started with Sam, one of my best friends from college, and that she runs fully. And you may know that I have Me Time, which is a product-based business that I love. You can find it in some stores nationwide. Really exciting. But Dial Zero Marketing is my newest venture. And it's not necessarily new. It technically opened doors in April. But that was kind of our official launch. Dial Zero Marketing has been around since 2022. We took on our first client very much behind the scenes, testing it out. We actually started it as of a favor to a friend of mine who ran an agency and needed some additional support for one of her clients we ended up really liking it and so took on more and more work we were white labeling really often and working with tons of just really incredible brands most of which came from my network these were people that i didn't think even really were following what i was doing but would come to me and offer clients or open up doors. And I just started telling people I ran a marketing agency. And what's crazy is that we've landed some of the most insane clients. And there are people in the doers that have been running a marketing agency for the past four years, whereas I've only really been officially running one since April. And I know that it can be a little bit confusing. How have you just started this business and you're already landing these massive clients? And that's what I want to talk about today is the difference between a massive name of a client and maybe another opportunity that is a little less sexy. And I want to get into the truth of that, about working with celebrity or really famous names or really incredible brands and and the difference of that. One of the things that I have noticed in Dial Zero Marketing is the fact that what I call lazy business is the backbone of a healthy business. And lazy business is anything that gets you get paid enough to keep the, the wheels on the bus 
and it keeps the train going. We've got a bus, we've got a train. How do we get an airplane in here? Keeps you flying, you know what I mean? It keeps everything in motion. And these lazy businesses, we work with a few very unsexy brands that aren't on our website and they're pretty easy. You know, it's still a ton of work. I'm not gonna act like, you know, we're just like kicking our feet up and taking tons of money every single month. Like we, you know, we have a job to do, but they're not typically the ones who are doing a ton of edits. They're not typically the ones who have a lot going on or have a ton of pressure that they have to hold themselves or that they hold us to. It's pretty churn and burn in and out every single month, get the job done, on we go. And I think every business should have some sort of lazy business. The ones that come to mind that are super easy is anything in like a quote unquote medical field that is expensive. So dentists, Opticians, plastic surgeons, really good lazy businesses, whether you're a copywriter, an email marketer, a social media manager, a photographer. These are businesses that have a ton of profit and always use some sort of marketing help. If you are in the business for lazy business, find someone local in your area, reach out to a few of them. It's pretty much always a yes. But that's not the topic we're talking about today. The topic we're talking about today are the exciting names. And we have a decent amount of pretty exciting names on our roster. And I will tell you how I got them. But, you know, our roster includes people like Brooke Shields, Bethany Frankel, Alala, which is a really incredible athleisure brand. We've worked with Shawnee Darden, a celebrity skincare line. She also has a ton of celebrity clients, which is really exciting. We also have some fun behind the scenes work that we're doing for other really major names and even more to come. And people will say to me, how do you land these clients? And what's crazy is that two answers, one of which is a little bit tougher. One is very easy. So the tougher bit of things is the fact that a lot of this came from my network, which I mentioned, but a lot of this came from my network and we basically reached out to people I just saw a white butterfly. If you're in my space, you know what that means. But that just like made my heart flutter a little bit. But what we did is we just started telling people we run a marketing agency. We run a marketing agency. We run a marketing agency. And it opened doors. People said, oh, you know who you should talk to is so-and-so. You know who you should talk to is so-and-so. Like, oh, Sophia Amoruso has a connection to this person. You should talk to this guy. Like, it was just kind of crazy, the doors that opened, because we knew the right people. Now, what's funny about this is that when I say you should be building a network, you should be going to networking events, these were not people that I really had a ton of communication with. I really just started sharing, I want more of this, I want more of this, I want more of this, and those people stepped up. The other thing to know is that we gave a very, very, very big kickback in referrals to anybody who sent us business at the beginning thousand dollar kickbacks, two thousand dollar kickbacks, where typically a referral might be a hundred dollars or two hundred dollars or three hundred and fifty or something like that. We were doing thousands. And the reason for that is because I thought I'm gonna have a marketing spend. I'd rather just have other people sell for me. And it opened up a lot of the right doors. Now you might be saying, well, I don't have that network. That's fine. Part two, that my second strategy definitely works for you. But the other thing to consider is that when these opportunities came their way, the Brooke Shields opportunity, the Shawnee Darden opportunity, the list goes on. I said yes, and I got to work. Because a lot of times when people get these brands, they say, oh my gosh, 
like Brooke Shields is going to be seeing my business or like, oh my gosh, that's going to be in Sephora. And you can let that pressure get to you where you can realize the job is the job. And at the end of the day, it really doesn't matter if you're getting hired for a nursing home or a celebrity. The job is the job. So when you look at it like, wow, this is a great opportunity because being on my roster is going to help other people feel so much more inclined to say yes, then great. But when it comes down to the work, you have a job to do and you've probably done that job a million times. So I don't want you to get in your head too much about it because at the end of the day, a client is a client. Now, with that said, we have worked with a decent amount of celebrities, whether we've worked with best-selling authors. I mean, we had a client within our first four weeks who signed with us have a billboard in Times Square that we had designed. Like, it was wild how quickly all of this happened. But New York Times bestseller, podcast hosts, actors, singers, models, like there's just a lot of names that you don't see on our website that are conversations that we're having or that that people are coming onto our team. And I want to talk a little bit about how a celebrity client can differ. And when I say celebrity really quickly, I mean a well-known name, right? It could be a brand at Target. It could be a celebrity that is on your favorite TV show. They just tend to operate differently. And I have a couple notes that will help you feel a little bit more comfortable saying yes to a name that might feel very impressive. Before we dive into it, I want to note I bend hard. I snap my back in half for a name that I know is a door opener. We talk a lot about door openers in the doers club, where I say to them, if a name is a door opener, if people hear that name and say, I'm in, then that is a door opener client. And when I know that someone is a door opener, whatever you want to pay, I'll do it. $200, great. $1,000, great. Do we typically charge $10,000 for that? Yes. Am I going to find a way to do it for next to nothing? Absolutely. I won't do it forever, but I will do it to get them in the door, test them, and then they stay. Most of our clients haven't left our roster unless it was a project and that's like the entirety of the service. But our goal is that when you come in, you can stay with somebody who becomes a really strong partner. Now, before we move forward, I said that there were two ways to get clients. The second way that you can land clients, one was my network, but two, this is actually a little bit wild. I've just DM'd them. Now, later, I'm going to tell you why you shouldn't DM them, but I got really lucky in this instance because there are a few people that I've reached out to or DM'd, and I've said, are you looking for someone to do your social media? Are you looking for someone to help you with X, Y, Z? And you know what? These two people, granted of millions, but these two people have responded to me. Not one person has pitched this to me. Not one person has offered And what this showed me, kind of similar to my Kelly Catrone episode, if you listen to Below 14th Street, one of my mini series here on The Unfiltered Entrepreneur, is that the difference is that that's not always true. And these people aren't always connected to the right people. Sometimes the person who wins the bid is just the person who asks. So I want to talk about that piece. I want to talk about the piece of working with celebrities, working with celebrity clients, and how they differ from the average Joe. I have eight different tips here, so I would definitely get out a notebook. But I also just want to caveat this, that when I was taking notes and writing out my episode for today, I started to notice that these were actually the same kind of tips that I give people when they're going into a really high-stress corporate space or a startup or any sort of business where the pressure is on. There are definitely some businesses out there that are well-oiled machines and a little bit boring, fine. But these same things that I noticed about working with celebrities also applied to when I was working at, let's say, Sam Edelman or Rebecca Minkoff or 
Kendall and Kylie or Hunter Boots. These established brands simply require a different level of hustle than somebody who needs to keep the doors open with enough of a strategy to make it to another day. And so what we're talking about today, I want you to remember if you don't have any interest in working with celebrities, this also should be how you run your business regardless. It's just that with really established names, we're going to kick it up like to the hundredth degree. Again, I'm going to be saying celebrity throughout the episode, but I really mean any established brand. Maybe it's on the shelves, maybe it's on TV, maybe it's a person, maybe it's a concept, but these are the different tools and tips that I have in order to succeed with a celebrity client. Tip number one is that yes is always the answer. Now, this doesn't mean that you have to have like absolutely no backbone whatsoever. It more so means when they bring to you, hey, we want to do this, we want to do this, we want to do this, become a yes man, take notes, validate that you've heard them. Later, you can come back, set a meeting or on a meeting, discuss all the ways in which that yes may actually be a no. But in the moment, you want to champion them. You want to be a collaborator with them on their team, partnering with them. You want to be a yes man. So what that means is that if someone comes to you with a far-fetched idea and you've never done something like that before, or if somebody comes to you with a really exciting opportunity and it scares you, or they come to you with an idea that you're like, on what fucking planet would we do that? That's such a bad idea. Find a way to celebrate it regardless. This might look like someone saying, oh my gosh, do you know what I should do is I should launch an entire line of wallpaper since everybody's asking me about my wallpaper. Now, internally, you could think, okay, I don't think that would sell. Or, oh my God, I have no idea how to even get started there. Or that's not like my business or anything. Instead, you might want to say to them, oh my gosh, phenomenal idea. I would love to talk about the details of that. You're not saying yes, you're not agreeing, but you are being a yes man. <gasps> what a fun idea. Let's dive into the details of that sometime. You're postponing it because guess what? They're probably going to change their mind. Another iteration of being a yes man could be someone saying, hey, is there any way that we could put up a really fun graphic today that has like this and this and this and it's like got a really fun video? You say, oh my gosh, that would be so much fun. I'm going to get to work on it and try. Push yourself to see if you can do it. Nine times out of 10, you probably can, let's be honest. But if it is within your scope and if you have the capacity for it, try. Say, hey, I'm up for the challenge. Let's go. People like working with a yes man. They like the excitement of like, I've got it. I'm going to give it a shot. Hey, you know what? I'm going to try. And if I can't get it done today, I'll let you know. The key here is communication. But more than anything, even if it's a no, kick off with some kind of hype girl energy. Oh my gosh, I'm living for this. I just want to make sure it's a profitable idea. But you're onto something here with the creative. Something just some sort of, they want to be seen and they want to know that they are on to, that they have a great idea. A lot of times when you get to really establish businesses and the founders behind them, there's a lot of people throwing a lot of things that they have to do. You have to do this. You have to do this. You have to do this. And they miss a little bit of the opportunity to be in the moment, to be spontaneous, to have an idea and act on it. That's a freedom that isn't always awarded to somebody who has a fully stacked back-to-back -back calendar. So by celebrating in that moment with them, you're showing I'm on your team and you can get into the nitty gritty later about why it's a no. 
But in the moment, finding a moment to say, wait, I'm obsessed with this. Let's talk about this next week. You're at least in the moment with them in a time that feels really exciting. Again, a lot of this you're going to notice applies to really any clients, but this is just going to be amped up to the ninth degree, the nth degree with a celebrity. The other thing I want to mention is that how people are online is generally how they are in person. And I was relieved and upset to learn this because I have worked with a lot of names, which you can tell from the roster, but I've also worked with a lot of names that aren't publicly on our roster because they signed NDAs to not be present there. Every single person that we've worked with is exactly the way that I thought they would be. You know, you watch them online and you're like, I bet they are so fucking nice in person and they are the nicest person on the planet. You follow someone and you're like, I think that person is like legitimately has a screw loose. And guess what? They do. So a lot of the times what you see online is a pretty decent representation of what you're getting with the person. Don't fall into the trap of, well, I bet that's a facade they're playing. Maybe that happens. Maybe. But I doubt it. So I just wanted to put that out there. The third tip definitely plays on how they are online is how they are genuinely. And the thing to remember with anybody who has an established brand, whether you know the person as the founder or not, is that one major deliverable with any celebrity, any established brand, any established business, one major deliverable is ego. This partly plays into why you want to be a yes man and why you have to be wary of how people are online because that's probably how they are in person. But what you want to remember is that when you are working with someone esteemed or established in any way, is that they're probably someone who likes a little bit of ego scratching also. So for instance, if someone does a write-up about them, not just sharing, oh my gosh, wow, like this publication wrote about you. It sounds so great. I'm so happy for you saying things like, of course, they're obsessed with you. You're killing it. You should be so proud of yourself. The impact you're making on people is astounding. This is like life-changing the product that you've created. Am I telling you to like gas somebody up? Absolutely. Am I telling you to lie to someone's face and be completely fake? No, but I do it. There are definitely some times that I've been like, oh my God, that's so amazing. And in my head, I'm thinking that's same shit. I don't really think it's that important. Now, you can call me a fake bitch all you want, but guess what? Part of understanding clients is understanding how they like to receive information. And they won't hear me properly if they don't think I'm on their team. It's important to show up for them in a way that makes them feel good. You'll tell right off the bat if someone's an ego person. Give them the compliment of a lifetime. And if they don't want more of it, you can tell that they are shutting it down. I have not yet had that experience. So I can tell you right now, they're probably going to love it. And the lead with understanding that part of the deliverables that you're giving to them is the soft skill of celebrating their ego, giving them acknowledgement, sharing with, oh my God, this is the coolest thing ever. Even if you have feedback, wait for it, have that moment with them, gas it up. The next one is play offense, not defense. And when I say play offense, not defense, what I mean is that I want you to communicate with them in a way where they should never, ever have to ask a question. It is a fail in my eyes if a client has to come to us and say, hey, where are we at with that? Hey, what happened with that? Hey, where's this month's XYZ? Thankfully, we don't hear that in our business because we are playing offense. Now, what that might look like, offense versus defense. 
let's say you do a month of social media. I'm just going to use that as an example because that's something we do often dial zero. It would be horrendous if a client said to us, hey, where's next month's social? I haven't seen it or edited it yet. Because now I have to defend myself and say, oh, we'll have it for you Friday. We'll have it for you tomorrow. If someone said to me, hey, I thought that we were using these hashtags moving forward. Why are we using these? If I had to respond and say, oh, well, we decided to use those hashtags only on certain pieces of content. That's me playing defense. They always want to feel informed. Nothing should feel like a surprise. A lot of times when you're working with established brands and businesses or celebrities or any major business, they are handling nine 100 million things. Plus, throw in if they have kids. Oh my gosh, they have a full-time job there as well. You know, throw in the fact that they maybe have like a sick family member or maybe they have a lot of travel that they do. There's a million ways to think about it. They're handling and managing so much in business that what you want to think about is saying, hey, by the way, I just wanted to let you know we did agree on a new hashtag strategy, but we are going to keep it in place for these kinds of posts moving forward. Their response is going to be great. They just don't want to be surprised. Yeah, another example of that, hey, where's this month's content? Let's say you have a delay. Let's say you're a little bit behind on sending a deliverable. You might say, hey, I know that we owe this to you on Tuesday. I know today's Thursday. If there's any way that we could send it on Thursday, that'd be helpful. We're a bit backed up with other things. But here's a sampling just to show you. Offense. You're saying, I know I told you this day. I know that today is this day. Is We're going to extend to this day. They just want to be filled in. So play offense, not defense. Over-communicate. To me, if a client comes to me and has a question about our service, we have not communicated enough. They should know everything, everything about deadlines, everything about what's moving forward. They should have messages by 11 a.m. every single day saying like, here's the rundown, here's what we're working on. Maybe not every single day, but like on a weekly basis at least, or like on some sort of rolling basis. Because if they have a question about our service, we are not communicating enough. So play offense, not defense. With that, I'm going to throw in a tip number five, which is that the client should be the last person you ask for things. When you work with an established brand, when you work with a celebrity, when you work with some sort of major business, specifically if there's a person as the base of the business who's spearheading it, there are three contacts you want to ask for in your onboarding timeline, and you want to make sure that you get these immediately. You may not use them, but you're going to want them in the future. One is you want their executive assistant's phone number and email address. Two, you want their publicist's email and phone number. And three, any sort of legal team, period. That way, if something comes through the pipeline, you want to make sure you're flagging it to PR or to legal or et cetera. You have to know those things. You also definitely want to talk to the executive assistant because if you have access to their calendar or at least a way to easily obtain what's going on for the day, let's say you want to ask that client a certain question. It's different when someone's schedule is back, 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 back to back. What you want to do is collect all of your questions in one space, reach out to that executive assistant and say, hey, where can I have 10 minutes on so-and-so's calendar? I have some questions to go through. They'll find that time, slate you in, you have the phone call, you run through all your questions, you're out. So what I mean by that is you should not be blowing up your client saying, hey, by the way, we have a question about this. Oh, and we have a question about this. Now, you might be doing that in your Slack channel with other clients. And I don't think that's a problem because you might be saying, 
oh, but this space is like a Senate and forget it. We're just going to place it here. You don't have to write me back right away. They're a different client. You want to make sure that their team is your client and you want to make sure that you have access to all the correct individuals just in case something were to happen. Which leads me to the next one. Number six, crisis management is part of the job. I don't care if you're a photographer. I don't care if you're an email marketer. I don't care if you're an OBM or a podcast audio editor or a video editor. Crisis management is part of it, which means that not only do you really have to know their industry, you kind of have to know how they play in that industry. You have to know what is too far, what is kosher to say, what is not cool to say. You also have to be very on top of current happenings because you would hate to post a happy birthday to so-and-so's best friend when you realize just a week ago that person got canceled. I'm making that up. That has never happened to me, thank God, but that could happen. You also want to make sure that when you're understanding the industry, that you're not going against cultural yeses or nos. For instance, we had a post that was slated to go live right after the strike kicked off, and we didn't think to pull it down. So a post went live promoting a movie, which kind of had our client crossing the picket lines virtually, right? Like, quote unquote, crossing the picket lines. We thankfully removed it right away. We saw it and took it down ASAP. But had we left that up, we would be putting her in a really bad situation because while she's promoting this movie, the strike is now going on and it would appear as if so-and-so is now against the strike and promoting her movie, which is a big no-no in a strike. So understand crisis management in a way where you have to have at least some sort of cultural understanding of the locale, the industry, prominent names, values of that person, who they align with, who they don't align with, just to kind of understand, like, am I putting this person in hot water, especially in a time where cancel culture is really ripe at its finest. Tip number seven, adaptability is key. Now, adaptability is a really funny word because adaptability sounds very much like you can roll with the punches. Oh, I could do that. I could try this. I'm in for that. Oh, something came up. I can make myself available. Adaptability is a really funny word because to me, what I hear is you're down, right? You are a ride or die bitch. You are in for it. You are excited about what's coming through the pipeline. You're here to support the business. But what it actually is is a complete lack of boundaries. Now, you might think that that's a bad thing. Well, I don't want to have a lack of boundaries. I personally have a lack of boundaries. I'm that person who is very adaptable. And the reason for that is because I know where my limits are. I'm not going to cross my own boundaries, but I'm not going to have super rigid boundaries. I want to do what's best for my client. I want to do what's best for my business. If I was at like, I don't know, my sister's graduation and somebody wanted to hop on a meeting, I would probably say, I'm at my sister's graduation. Is there any way we could turn this into a five-minute phone call? The event will be over in an hour and I'd be able to hop on a phone call. That would be me being adaptable. Still having a boundary where I'm not about to join a meeting at the ceremony, but I could talk to you today if I could find five minutes to step away. So adaptability is key. You have to be adaptable. That's just it. With all due respect, nobody listening to this podcast is as busy as some of the celebrity clients that we have worked with who have massive projects, eight businesses, brand deals for millions of dollars, massive opportunities coming their way, viewings of different things, speaking panels, private jet to private jet to private jet. You are not as busy. So if I am less busy than them, how can I make myself available for things that they might need without actually going against myself? I'm the only person who can make that distinction. And it's on me to kind of say, 
hey, no, I'm not able to do that, but I can do this instead. That is the best way to hold boundaries in business. Whether you have a celebrity client, a massive business as a client, or a solopreneur that you support, the answer shouldn't be, no, I can't, I'm sorry. The answer should be, I can't do that, but I can do this instead. That is a really strong way to hold boundaries. I'm not able to do that. Maybe it's because it's 7 p.m. on a weeknight or 10 p.m. on a weeknight or 8 a.m. on a weekend, whatever it is. You could say, I'm not able to do that, but I could do that Monday. I'm not able to do that right now, but I could hop on a 10-minute phone call tomorrow. Whatever it looks like, that's a really strong way to hold boundaries while showing that you're a partner and a team player. I'm not able to do that, but I can do this. That way you give them an option and a different perspective. Finally, number eight, you are hyper aware of their space because they are hyper aware of their space. So comments being made about them, headlines being ran about them, gossip accounts, hate accounts, they know all of it. And honestly, what's been shocking to me more than anything is the fact that celebrities are actually reading a lot more of their DMs than I thought that they would be. There's a lot of people who read all of the messages, which I didn't really think would happen. I thought that they would be like, eh, whatever, it is what it is, I'm not going to read it. And there are people who do that. But they are hyper aware. They're paying attention. So when you do have conflicting point of view, you can share that with someone who you really respect because their team, me, us, <laughs> we might be saying, hey, by the way, they're not really into that. We should maybe rethink that. You know, we should maybe delete that post because it's actually getting more backlash than we thought coming back to crisis management. They are super hyper aware of their space. You know, they know what's being said about them. They know what pushback is being told to them because they have a PR agent. They have a team who's looking out for them and, you know, voicing these concerns. So when you are working with them, you are also going to become hyper aware. You should have Google alerts turned on so that any headline that runs about them, you can read it. You should be listening to podcast interviews that they do so that you can understand what they're talking about and, and kind of gauge that a little bit more. You should be meeting with them once a week, once every two weeks, once a month to kind of understand what's going on in their ecosystem so that maybe you can work that into the work or that maybe you could just understand and get some perspective. But knowing that they're hyper aware of their space Make sure that you're coming to them a bit with grace because there's a lot. Do you have hate accounts written about you? Do you have hundreds of hate accounts? Do you have hundreds of Reddit threads about you? Do you have terrible things being said about you that aren't even true? A really funny story is that there's a celebrity that we support and she was doing something. I can't say enough or like I'm going to totally give it away, but she was doing something and a lot of people were hoping she would show up to a certain event. It was a very well-known event, and people were wondering if she was going to be there. I didn't know about the event. I didn't really like follow very much of like what was happening at this event. And so we posted something on her social that we didn't realize alluded to the fact that she might be going to this event, which she was not going to. And there were headlines on headlines on headlines, TikTok, 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 about so-and-so's going to the event. So-and-so's going to the event. So-and-so confirms they're attending the event. So-and-so loudly confirms they're going to the event. And I was like, what are you talking about? We just like posted something that was in the calendar, scheduled, ready to go. So I, you have to be a little bit, I had to be a little bit more aware of their space. Our team had to be a little bit more aware of their space because they're a lot more aware of their space because of the name and the power that came with that. 
So just keep that in mind. Now, like I said, and if you've made it to the end of the episode, at the end of the day, these are really just success tips. And these work with any high pressure job, any sort of startup that you might be working for, any sort of small business that's trying to really scale, any sort of brand name that hasn't really made it yet. These apply everywhere. These are pretty good recipe for success kind of tips. But when you work with celebrities or really established brands, this is turned up a thousand fold. And at the end of the day, the number one way to make sure you do your job well is to maintain composure. Keep your cool, keep your mouth shut, do the job. And when you do share something, make sure it hypes them up, makes them feel really great. And then you can deliver whatever message you actually have to share. That's all for us today. Make sure to go check out Dial Zero Marketing. Our roster is definitely filling up. We have no more space for new clients in 2023, which is very exciting. But you can follow along and see what we're doing because we have some pretty major things happening in the works with some pretty big names who are maybe filming a TV show right now. And that's why they're not responding to me. But so happy to have you. I hope that you learned something. And hey, shoot for the fences. Swing for the fences, I think is what the term is. And I hope to see you next time on The Unfiltered Entrepreneur. Hold up. Don't leave quite yet. The good just gets better. I know it might be expensive to hire me for my services, so I've created a free way for you to get all of my best for any question you have. Click the link in the show notes to drop us a voice note, and I promise you I will answer every single one of them on the podcast for free. This has been a Fast Forward production. To learn more about them, check out at the women are speaking on Instagram for more information. Thank you.